right, thanks guys. Uh, this is Kevin. Go by Puckraker on the blog, and got a nice little morning skate interview for you guys with Cheryl Maloney. She is a member of the Micmac tribe up in Nova Scotia, Canada, and her and her sister are putting together a documentary about Micmac's involvement with uh, the founding of ice hockey. So, Cheryl, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Oh, not a problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really, really excited to talk to you. Um, I came across the film on a CBC article, and there was a little six-minute clip with uh, you and your son, Chase, and you are telling the story a little bit, and I, I was fascinated immediately. Oh, great. Yeah, he did a good job with that. He was. He said, do I need to speak to the media mom? I said, no, and then next thing <laughs> I know, he was, um, because he had done the research, he was all, well, people believe what they believe. Um, uh, but he said, you know, the more we looked into it, the more we were finding out, so it was really exciting process. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's like a school assignment gone to hell for him. First, he has to just present in front of his class, and then all of a sudden, he's uh, talking to the broadcasting company. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, one of the the interesting things about us when we started researching the Mi'kmaq, we started with their hockey stick. Everybody was very easily um, in agreement that the Mi'kmaq hockey stick was the first stick of the NHL. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of evidence back to the 1700s of Mi'kmaq hockey sticks being made by the Mi'kmaq and used for a hockey game. We didn't call it hockey. We we had a name in our own language. Um, but the evidence was there that the hockey sticks come from the Mi'kmaq. And I'm like, well, why not the game? And in order to look beyond, you know, some of these modern claims of, of inventing hockey, and I say modern being 1880s, mm-hmm. you know, 1850s, or 1910, I think, 1915. That's modern to us, because when we started looking at it, we were looking back 1700s, and they, um, you know, they say the Micmac Indians are playing a game on ice with the roots of trees, which is exactly the stick that was used for the NHL in 1917. You know, the Mi'kmaq hockey sticks made of the roots of um, some of these hornbeam trees and uh, other types of trees, and and it was called a stink root because it was so strong. (laughs) But so, you know, the early claims and, and... early um, written history, 1700, 1698. Um, so, you know, hockey being invented in, in Windsor or Montreal in eighteen late 1800s or 1900s is rather modern. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize they attributed the date that late in the game. Yeah, and, and you know, we were wondering why, um, sure, we didn't have arenas, but we had the game. And the more we looked into mm-hmm. it, we had to look to oral history and we had to look to what was written and we had to look to the Mi'kmaq language. And, um, you know, in the film, we, we interviewed a, um, a linguist who uh, actually developed the written system of the Mi'kmaq language, Bernie Francis. And they had words that attribute to um, the game and, you know, things like a slap shot. 
um, you know, to weave back and forth and fowls and uh, so there was lots of language in the Mi'kmaq pre-contact um, language that that contributed more and more evidence to the Mi'kmaq coming up with the the game, the rules of the game. Um, you know, I think part of the film we talk about some of the rules being no contact to the head, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and I said, well, that rule still stands. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge um, rule now. Yeah, so we're really excited by the film. Um, we played a few uh, film festivals, and we've got some media coverage here. And then things kind of slowed down with this uh, the current pandemic yeah, sure. and, and stuff. But um, you know, we've had people that once they watch the film, they it leaves no doubt. Um, and I think when when oh, we started so looking at no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm, I, I was just I, gonna say, for me, it's so it's so compelling um, when you look at the combination of all the evidence, and you know, you people misunderstand oral history, I think, a little bit. And your point about the the vocabulary and your language is such a strong point. It's like, how did these how were these words here before the other languages? If the game wasn't here, it's not like you're talking about something that wasn't there. Yeah. And I think um, when we were looking at Windsor and Montreal and any Kingston, anywhere else that um, tried to claim the game, they're looking for a, a date um, and and some evidence, but they, they run out of information. They run mm-hmm. out, like, we don't know where the name of hockey came from. They all guess, but they're not quite sure where the name came from of hockey. And for the Mi'kmaq, when we ran out of evidence, we kept digging and finding more and more and more. So that was something really, I think, for my mm-hmm. son who was, um, he's 16 now, so he's like 13 when he when he was working on this research. He yeah. says the more we research, the more we find. And uh, I'll tell you an interesting um, piece. When we were, he was traveling across eastern Canada, Mi'kmaq territory, looking at some of the old hockey sticks around and we were at a museum, and there was a 100-year-old stick, the same age as the NHL at the time. And um, he was holding it and talking to the curator, and it turned out that that stick was made by my mother's grandfather. Oh, and wow. that was Chase's great-grandfather, Alex Pope, <laughs> that made a hockey stick. So he's he's a young guy. You know, a young man, 13 years old, holding this hockey stick, researching it, and and finding out, wow, we're so connected to this. It felt like we were, um, um, I'll tell you another story, but it felt like we were, we were pressed by our ancestors to do the film. And the reason I say that is um, we were looking at old Joe Cope, and he was an old man in the 1930s that wrote to the newspaper. So a lot of Mi'kmaq weren't really, you know, well-educated in the English language. It was his second language. He -hmm. wrote into the media and he said, you know, the Mi'kmaq have long had this game, long before the pale faces arrived to this land. And he's telling the history based on his father, who was born in um, 1820, 1830s, what we figured out. Okay. So my sister, the filmmaker, said, well, we, we need to find out about this Joe Cope. So we started doing some research, and we were getting um, 
uh, family genealogy of Joe Cope, and somebody had, um, you know, his seven generations down, and we were, I remember the night, it was thundering and raining and, and cold here in Nova Scotia. My sister came in. We're sitting there looking at this, and then all of a sudden we see my grandfather's name, my mother's name, and then at the bottom, after mom, it had um, my older sister, and then it said, girl, child, Maloney, girl, child, Maloney, which would have been April and, and my, my sister April and myself. Uh-huh. And we just kind of, it was a very spooky moment in time to say, wow, this guy felt so strongly about it that he wrote into the paper in, in you know, early 1900s. We wanted to know mm-hmm. about him, and, and we didn't know it was our great-great-grandfather. That's so, so crazy we were, that that's how you discovered that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, we think about why did we lose that oral history. Um, his generation to mine is where our kids were forced from the, the villages and and reserves are, are, are around the water where we lived in different um mm-hmm. Yeah, in the U.S., uh, we usually call them reservations. Yeah, well, we were forced onto reservations, but we we're also forced into the Indian residential schools. So all the children across right. the country, yeah. you know, went to these residential schools, lost their family connections, lost the mm-hmm. language, lost that connection. So I, I felt really strongly that... um you know, reclaiming the game and uncovering the history and and filling those um, pieces together is is part of reconciliation within within Canada with Canadians and the um, Indigenous communities. So it just became um, a project about so much much more than just the game of hockey. Um, but it's it's very um, it's been something my my son who's now 16 it's something that he'll be able to carry on and when Mm -hmm. we're gone the story won't be lost again by doing this film you know we felt like we're never going to lose that story again it's it's always going to be there for somebody to keep the pieces together but those generations where we lost the language and lost our family connections and our homelands Mm -hmm. um we're recovering. I guess this is a way of, of saying that, that recovery is happening for our, our nations and our people. We're quite proud of the work. Very proud. Yeah, it's a great film. And, I mean, what a story. Just your son finding the stick and then tracing back not only to the history of your community, but his ancestor. It's uh, yep. it's really cool. It's almost meant to be. Um, Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the vo- vocabulary, I thought that was so fascinating when in the film you're going through the different words and piecing together different ways of interacting with the game. Uh, can you just share a few of those words? Uh, I I really can't without my linguist here. They're very old. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you, though. um to pronounce. Yeah, he had a hard <laughs> time pronouncing the old pre-contact Mi'kmaq. And okay. they actually studied it for a while uh, because some of the words and some of the, the terms are not being used anymore. Um, but one of the things he talked about is how, as a linguist, they can see where French or Spanish or English influences into the language because then the words sort of um, change and have sort of a French mm-hmm. influence or dialect. And 
So the words that they they researched looking at the hockey, they were very old pre-contact Mi'kmaq words. Um, so that was very exciting for us to to start looking at in the context of um, hockey. They looked at our language before and could tell the old words and the old written um, the written uh, system the Mi'kmaq used and to try to reconcile it now. So it, it was very um, fascinating, but I'm I'm not able to even... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Now, those words, I, I know some Mi'kmaq, but not not the old Mi'kmaq. Yeah, and that's it's the same us, if you look at old, old English. The words are just so yeah. wacky and, and difficult yeah. to pronounce. But one of the things we found when we kept going back, we was like, well, how far back can we go? And And the further back we went... We're saying it's going to be hard for anyone to prove us wrong. We're able to prove everybody else, you know, their stories just didn't line up. Um, so we went, and there's a um, a British um, fellow that came here in 1398, Henry Sinclair. I don't know if he's British or Dutch. I can't remember. It's in okay. the film. And 1398, and the reason they were able to say this is Mi'kmaq territory, because there's coal beds that that burn um, for months on end because they're above the ground. And the Mi'kmaq had called it the place of fire in our Mi'kmaq language, our pre-contact language, and we named it around places. That's such a cool name. Yeah, so the place of fire and where those coal beds are, it's the only place in North America that's anywhere near shore that has this geography, very unique geography. So the explorer, Henry Sinclair, um, seen the coal beds burning and described, you know, the river of black and the fact that there was, um, the the people there were playing a game on ice made with um, bones and roots of trees in 1398. So we've gone back even before Christopher Columbus. So we're like, uh, this film, we're done. We we could just do more and more and more research. Um, there's somebody that gave us a tip that there was a Mi'kmaq rule book in in the old Mi'kmaq language, the first um, attempts at writing Mi'kmaq. And she found it in Montreal, but we weren't able to locate it. Um, in an archive, but we know there's more out there if we start looking. And yeah, and didn't you say from the original rules there are actually uh, like nine or ten or definitely more than five skaters, and that's yeah. uh, that's what the original NHL did too, right? Yeah, the game in Montreal in 1875 had ten, nine or ten players on each side. And they were inside. Uh, the Mi'kmaq game had nine or ten players when they were describing it, I think, in the 1700s. Um, mm-hmm. Without all my research in front of us, it's it's not Oh, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, you, but yeah, we had nine or ten players. And um, Montreal had nine or ten players. And then they, they worked it down to five. So that's yeah, the that's evolution. Yeah, that's another pretty cool connection. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was just so many connections, and I I hope the film, we get to distribute it wide. We're not sure yet um, how the distribution's going to go. We're still at the the film festival, and we're doing a virtual film festival. Um, Yeah, I know it's a real long process. Yeah. 
Well, it's our first time. We really weren't filmmakers. My sisters made a couple, but this is the first time my son and I really? and her really decided let's do a film on this and um, like. It's, but it felt like the um, the ancestors were driving us. And what we learned about my great great grandfather Joe Cope is that he would argue to least blow in the face with anybody that would talk hockey to him, <laughs> you know, in the early 1900s that this was our game. And so I, I think if there's anyone on the other side wanting to make sure this um, this film was done, it would be it would have been him. And it just felt something that yeah. we had to keep working at. And, well, do you, know. do you know uh, the the 1749 um, account? Do you know who who that was, or like what? Where'd you guys find that? The um the excerpt or the original yes. there's a hockey a guy in uh, Montreal Toronto Canada that has a uh, copyright to the uh, Micmac um, name for hockey and it's Micmac M I C M A C he bought it from Star Manufacturing and, and they have the original 1749 line of Mi'kmaq hockey equipment. And the um, the original excerpt came from a um, a journal of a soldier or the military journal in 1749 in in Dartmouth. Um, oh, okay. So that that would have been Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. So this is all common knowledge, but nobody ever put it all together and said, well, why didn't the Mi'kmaq invent it? You know, the Mi'kmaq hockey sticks are in the first Stanley Cup. They're all right. They were so so widely used, and it's so accepted that you know the first mass-produced sticks came from there. It it all kind of makes sense. I mean, I was kind of surprised that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it 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 is amazing that um, all the evidence is there. Everything is there, and nobody nobody ever put it together with the Mi'kmaq lens. you know, because we are new speakers to the English language, new to law, new to film, new to all of these things, generations, that we're just starting to tell our own stories. But the stories are there, um, you know. Absolutely. But for the credit to be given to the Mi'kmaq, it, it's, uh, it's not there yet. Um, I, I got a perlator at my door. Sorry. What's that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, thanks. All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no worries. <laughs> it's a day of the uh, COVID. Everything's uh, online these days. Yep. You only see uh, see your mailman and the UPS guy and the FedEx guy. Um, yeah. So how'd you... Were were you into hockey, or you just put uh, Chase into hockey, or how did you actually my, uh, get into it? Well, you know, I was never. We had seven daughters, my father and mom, so we weren't really oh, into wow. hockey. But my son was born, I swear, with a hockey stick first, and um, <laughs> he just excelled. He was two years ahead of everybody else, and. Um, I, I think his uh, ancestors are reincarnated and 
brought him back as a hockey player because he just loved it. He was one of those kids he never had to push into the the game. He excelled. He he just loved it. And um, but being a Mi'kmaq in a game that's very elite these days, it's very expensive. You're looking at a hundred mm-hmm. to two hundred thousand dollars to put a child through the NH through hockey, minor hockey, and then elite hockey, and to make it you know into the pro levels or anything. And hockey's really really changed. And um, being a mom, a hockey mom for the first time. For Aboriginal kids, we've we've had a lot of racism in in hockey in Canada this last couple of years. We, you know, in my province That's within the country, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really yeah. difficult for our kids um, to be out there on the ice. And I thought this is a story they need to know more about. They need to know that, you know, this is a part of us and our history and and something to be proud of. And so that was part of um, you know kind of my conversations with Chase when he was young as you know this is our game you know get out there and be proud and and uh, I think a lot of our other kids need to hear these stories too yeah so that's kind of where we started the conversation yeah um, and it just it just didn't go away it was like somebody had to tell the story and I went around for years and different meetings and I'd be telling everyone, you guys need to claim our game. You guys need to do this story. You need to do this research. And nobody was jumping on it. And I was talking to sports people and historians and it just wasn't going to happen until we did it. So mm-hmm. it, it just yeah, never it went on. away. Yes, we did. And we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes that's how the best stuff happens. You just dive right yeah. in. Yeah, and so we're, we're w- very proud of leaving that with the uh, the Mi'kmaq Nation and, and other Aboriginal Absolutely. Children. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really, it's such a great story because sports can be a way that people kind of bring in all those other issues, like the history and the social issues. And you can talk about ugly things like racism in a context that, you know, sports can bring us together, like despite all yeah. that. So that's something yeah. that's very, it, it, very exciting. Yeah, a very much a healing journey and a reconciliation journey. And I, I hope it has that impact for other people, you know, especially yeah. our, our youth, especially our kids that pick up the sticks and put on the skates and get on the ice. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing, uh, hockey, the proper service if I didn't chirp you a little bit. So I got to give you a hard time about one thing. Old Joe Cope's quote about the pale faces. I was laughing when I first heard it and heard it in the documentary (laughs) and everything. Um, people, people were offended. (laughs) Of course, of course. But, um, how do you feel about all that? Like, teams using Aboriginal peoples and Native Native peoples to promote their own business, like the Redskins, Cleveland Indians, you know what I mean, all that. Or yeah. are, you, are you kind of like, you know, let's get an NHL team in Nova Scotia and call them the Nova Scotia Pale Faces. Like, which side uh, <laughs> do you come down on that? You know, that uh, a lot of the, the non-Native friends, they said, why did you have to say that? I said, well, it's it's the quote he used. 
And that's right. that's the quote they they referred to them at that time. So we used his language in the film, which is it's more accurate. I haven't really um, got into the place where I'm, you know, worried about what people are calling the names and the headdresses and things like that. Um, I I just spent the last decade working with Indigenous women and and very serious um, statistics against women and girls and Mm -hmm. life expectancies and all that. So hockey, to me, um, was a a pleasant um, diversion from some of the tough work I really, really do. So I I pick my battles, and team names isn't one of them. But I, I, I understand I there was that. a there was, yeah, and there was um you know it's it's I did get a little bit of backlash here and there, <laughs> but we had to yeah. stay true to his word. You have to, and you know what? Uh, the, I I feel like the more open and honest these conversations are, the more progress everyone's going to make. Yeah, and I'm I'm very excited that you you guys picked the story up there, and and uh, that's nice to hear because I guess once it's out there, it's going to get a life of its own. So it's exciting to see where the story's going to go next. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I stumbled across it so early in the process. Couldn't couldn't believe that uh you know it was uh it, it's 2020 and uh, you know we're we're kind of establishing how hockey got its start, and it's really cool. Um, yeah, we're going to try and get it on the podcast, and I'm also going to going to do a blog about it. Um, okay. So let you I'll let you know when all that's going to head out there, out there to okay, the world. Perfect. Is there anything uh, you want to leave people with? Uh, no, I I think it's just it's uh, it's just an, a nice reminder of the contributions that indigenous people brought and i think during the this pandemic and the way we do things and the way the rest of the world do things it's starting to see that you know maybe we uh maybe we had a few things right and uh, i think that goes back to education and reconciliation um and seeing value in in the indigenous peoples and, and the communities I know here our uh, our communities have been locked down weeks ahead of everybody else with curfews and um, you know serial mobility to protect the elders, and everybody is doing it to protect wow. the elders. Yeah. And then in the city here, the um, the worst case is I think 38 of the 46 deaths were one long-term care home. So wow. it just shows you the differences between indigenous um, values and beliefs and um, non-indigenous ways of of doing things. So, you know, yeah, we're still locked down. <laughs> they have guards <laughs> at the end of the reserves. Nobody's allowed to come in or out. <laughs> and it's it's that's, uh, that's they good, take though. it very it, serious. It, yeah, yeah, they take it very serious. You don't want to lose one elder. You lose so much of our story and our history. Absolutely. So, you lose yeah, all that so contact quite, with with something yeah. you don't you, you weren't there for. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be all trying to recapture, you know, 
their stories. And and I know we've been doing interviews with elders here, trying to capture them before we lose them. So it was it was this story is an important one. Yeah, well, I I agree. I hope uh, hope this is another way we can all look look at indigenous communities and uh, and and see what they have to offer a little more. Yeah. Um, I I think it's a great story, and I I think uh, you're gonna go places with it. It's really cool. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. If you for, need uh, anything else, just for let sure. me know. Thanks for joining me, Cheryl. It was really cool. Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. We've been wandering in the dark A million miles apart going nowhere Believe that even if we're lost You know it won't be long till we can